Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. A special day besides being Sunday, but today is Anne-Marie's birthday. So I would, I would serenade you with happy birthday right now, but you don't want me to. So I'll, I'll spare you, but happy birthday, Anne-Marie. Thank you for all you do. And uh, if you, yeah, faithfulness in your giving, boxes in the back. Also, you can go online and uh, give there, odessafirst.com. And uh, but as I, I want to share today just about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit with us in prayer, how he partners with us. So I titled this sermon called Tag Team Prayer. And uh, I know you may think I've shared all my stories, you know everything about me, but I'm going to tell you don't. And so one of those things are is way back in the day, like, uh, I mean, all through childhood, teenage, even young adult, I was a massive, I mean, huge wrestling fan. Anybody else? Anybody with me? Any? So like, really? No. I mean, oh, you guys are boring. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up watching, you know, I, when growing up in the, our big metropolis of, of Big Lake, you know, you couldn't watch wrestling until about midnight, and, uh, and then the w, WF would come on midnight, Saturday nights, and so I would stay up and, and watch that, but the older I got, the, what I really started watching was the NWA. Does anybody remember the NWA? Do we, we're not really have any wrestling fans? Raise your hand if you're a wrestler. All right, do you remember the NWA? All right, Okay. My people. So yeah, I mean, thank you. I, I, love the, I love the NWA and then that transition to WCW, but I mean, Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake. Come on, somebody. I mean, Lex Luger. I, have, I actually have Lex Luger's autograph. They, they came to Odessa and did wrestling at the Coliseum, and so I was able to get his autograph the Iron Sheik, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, you got to know Hulk Hogan, right? Anybody know? Yeah. Well, yeah anyway, um, Ric Flair. You mean Ric Flair? Woo! Yeah, there we go. That's what I want to hear when I'm preaching. I'm gonna, I'll start strutting like Ric Flair. But one of my, my favorite thing was tag team matches. I love tag team matches. I loved the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, there were so many of them. And uh, man, when the four horsemen, you know, it'd be four on four. And I, I just love that kind of stuff. But my favorite tag team duo of all time was the Road Warriors, right? If you don't know who they are, we're gonna, we have them up here for you. The Road Warriors were the bomb. Sadly, both of them have... Uh, passed away, that lifestyle took a, a, a toll on their life. Um, but like many, you may not know this, but a lot of these guys and the Road Warriors with them because of ministries out of Phoenix First Assembly, a lot of these guys have, had got, have gotten saved, have come to the Lord. And it's really, through the years, it's been neat to see. And so I went to a conference 
And to my surprise, Animal and Hawk, the road warriors, were there. And so, you know, we had all these big name preachers and their lines, you know, people trying to buy their book. And there I am at the road warrior booth. It's just me and them. I mean, it was just a dream come true. But, you know, it's, it's, we have a saying that maybe you've heard us say before, but many hands make light work. Has anybody ever heard that before? Many hands make light work. And I'm going to tell you, when you have a partner, when you find that you have a helper, a partner in the Holy Spirit to help you walk out this life and to live this life and empower you in all facets of how to be a believer, I'm going to tell you, things go so much easier. And we're going to look at just one verse today, just one sentence, one verse, but yet it's such a powerful verse because it unlocks so much. And we're kind of going to go through a process this morning, but we're going to look at Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two and verse 18. But I want us to pray before we read it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Grateful, Lord, that we get to sit here in comfortable chairs and a warm atmosphere and, uh, but we know, Lord, that your presence is what's most important. And I just ask today that our hearts be good soil, ready to receive your word, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would put it into practice. We would be doers today. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Ephesians chapter two and verse 18, very simple verse, I'm reading out of the ESV this morning, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I'm just going to simply break a few things down on this verse before we kind of just lay a little bit of foundation. And so for through him, that him, of course, is talking about Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus that we are in a reconciled relationship with the Father. Let me, I know that most of us in the room probably know this and I've heard this many times, but just to remind you, because of Adam and Eve in the garden and partaking of the forbidden fruit and sinning against God, it brought sin into the world. And when sin came into the world, here us, six, 7,000 years later, it has impacted our life as well because we live in a fallen world. And so when we are born, we are born into a world that has fallen in sin. And the scripture says the only way, the only way for that sin to be forgiven is to understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he cleansed us and he washed us. And what that does, that puts us back in right relationship with the Father. There is no way to the Father unless it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no other way. And so it's through Jesus. And so what does it mean for him, through him, we both, that's an interesting word, right? Because I know we're not, we're just kind of looking at a verse. We're not looking at the whole passage in the context of this verse, but maybe some of your translations will say 
even the furthermost or the those far away. So what does it mean through him? We both. What that means is, is for both the Jew and the Gentile. Both the Jew and the Gentile. So it, in other words, that's everybody. Are you following me? That's everybody. For God so loved the world, that's, that's everybody. He gave his one and only son, that who believe in him shall have everlasting life. And so through him, Jesus, we both, all of us, have access in one spirit. That spirit is the Holy Spirit to the Father. Because of what Jesus has done, all of us have access to the Father and the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And so when we look at this, I'll, let me read it this way. In John 14, 6, and we may look at this, uh, you know, that's talking about Jesus, you know, there's no other way except no one come to the Father except through me. Both Jews and Gentiles, one spirit is the Holy Spirit. So what, how does that culminate? What, what does this mean? So what the important word in this verse is, you okay with a little bit of a teaching? So what the important word, I mean, all of them are important, but the kind of the, 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 uh, the word that really brings it all together, that really just shines a light on the meaning is the word access, is the word access. Now, the Bible says that sin separates us from God, but because of Jesus' blood and the forgiveness of the Father, we now have access to the Father. But in this passage, it is speaking of something so important. And, and I want to illustrate it this way. Matter of fact, if you were to do the word study and look at the, the, you know, the Greek and did all that kind of stuff, here's what you would find is access really has kind of two meanings, and that's landing or footing. That's in your notes, if you get your notebook and you fill in the blanks, that's landing or footing. Now a landing, you know, if you live in a two-story house and you climb up those stairs, what a landing is is that when you get to the top of those stairs, this is a landing. And so I want you to, I'm trying to maybe draw a picture for you that you can see it in your mind that the Holy Spirit creates that landing for us. And so because we have access to the Father, it's through the Holy Spirit and we come up, we're not standing on our own footing we're not standing on our own standing. We're standing there because the empowerment and the help and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. But it also means footing. Now, I, you may not know a lot about construction. I don't know, but you know some houses and when you build a structure, you want a footing. And so you dig a trench you know, in the shape of what you want and, and you pour, you know, you get down below the freeze point and you pour concrete in there. And so the Holy Spirit is also a foundation on which we can have access to the Father in prayer. I'm gonna be so bold to tell you, unless you have the empowerment work partnership of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you are gonna find it very difficult to pray. I mean, if you're in a place where you have found it difficult 
or boring or not know what to pray for or struggle with the discipline, the daily life of prayer, what you need, what we need is that the Holy Spirit work in us and empower us. And so each person of the Trinity, you know, when you look at the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, just for this morning, um, I, you know, you know, you can't confine God in, 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 you know, just some simple definitions, right? The psalmist wrote that God measures the universe by the span of his hand from his thumb to his pinky. I mean, God is big. I mean, the angels, when they're flying around, you know, in Isaiah 6, we see them crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord whose glory fills all of the earth. And they're doing that for all of eternity. And they can keep saying, holy, 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 because God, they see God is so magnificent and, and so wonderful. But if we, I, I want to illustrate something in this way. There's three words that as a Christian, as a believer, that you need to understand. And, those, and one of those three words is omnipotence. And what omnipotence means is unlimited power. And that's a trait of our father. Our father has unlimited power. I love in the scripture, it says Psalm 115, our God of the heavens does all that he pleases. And I use that Psalm just as an illustration point that nothing can find God, not not uh, not science, <laughs> not uh, uh, not relativity, not not anything. I mean, God, our God, He is all powerful. And there's also another word that you need to understand is that's omniscient. And what omniscient means is unlimited knowledge. So our God, our Father, He has unlimited power and He has unlimited knowledge. There's, there's no one that can compare to the knowledge of the Lord has. The Bible says, Psalm 147, 5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. Remember, he's omnipotent. His understanding is beyond measure. There's, matter of fact, we can't even measure the knowledge that God has. But God is also omnipresent, and that means all present. That means he is everywhere at one time. When you look at the psalm, well, I mean, one of, one of the most powerful psalms to me, besides Psalm 51, is Psalm 139. And one of the verses on Psalm 139 tells us, where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? Meaning, we cannot get away from God's presence or his spirit. He is everywhere. Right? I just quoted the verse in Isaiah. All of the earth is full of God's glory. And how he fills the earth of this glory is through the Holy Spirit. And then we have Jesus. And so Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is uh, he's Savior. And, and we can go to the Old Testament and look up all those names of God, of Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rophe and Jehovah Sitkanu. You know, God is our righteousness, our healer, our provider. And there's so many names of God that he just expresses himself throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus is the same way. We see that he's Savior and healer and deliver. Uh, one of my favorite verses, John 1, 29. When John the Baptist, he sets eyes on Jesus and he makes this declaration, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. How many are grateful that God took away your sin? 
Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then we have the Holy Spirit. And so, and, and throughout the New Testament, we see where Jesus, I mean, he, he's, he, he's the good shepherd. He's um, healer, teacher. Um, you know, we see all these expressions that talk about who Jesus is that try to explain to us. And it keeps in pattern with God in the Old Testament. And we see the same thing about the Holy Spirit. I mean, they are the Trinity. I mean, they are in union together. And the Holy Spirit, what I want to share with you this morning, is our helper. He is our helper. How many of you would like a helper in life? I mean, I think about it all the time. I wish I had a helper to help me do dishes and carry out the trash since Chase has been gone. And... Uh, but I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit, there, there is no helper like how the Holy Spirit can help us. Maybe you've heard the quote, I, you know, I, listen, ministry has taught me a lot in life. Ministry has taught me a lot. I, it, it, in, it, I mean, really because of ministry, I learned how to plumb. I, I have. I, it, because of ministry, I learned how to drive heavy equipment. I know how to drive excavators and caterpillars and road graders, and I've had those opportunities. Because of ministry, I learned how to drywall because I had to be bivocational at different points in times. And ministry has taught me a lot. And so, you know, there's a lot of times, and, and there's people that I think, you know, exemplify this far more than I do. But have you ever heard the term jack of all trades? Have you ever heard that term? Do you know, the, do you know what the whole quote is? Jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than master of one. But that is not the Holy Spirit. The, that, that is not who he is. The Holy Spirit is really a manifestation, the work of God that expresses the same thing that God expressed in Exodus chapter three and verse 14. That's where God reveals himself to Moses I am that I am. Do you know a simpler English translation for that? I am what you need me to be when you need me to be it. And in that moment in time, what did the children of Israel need? They needed to deliver. And that's exactly who God was and is. When we need a savior, who's Jesus? When we need that redemption, what does he do? I mean, in that, when we need healing, who is he? I mean, all of those things express who they are, the Trinity, the Godhead, and the Holy Spirit, the person of the Godhead, is right in line with them. And so there are seven words. When we look at Scripture, and we're going to look at more of the, the words in just a moment, but when we look at Scripture, especially in John, do we have John chapter, I don't know if I, I thought I put them on my notes. It may be further down. I may be so off my notes. I don't know. But in John, in John chapter 14, and I want to say verse 6, it may be 7, and John 14, 26, there's two verses there. And those two verses talks about how the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper. 
There's another verse that's found in John chapter 16 and verse 7, and it says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to, this is Jesus talking, it is to your advantage that I go away. I mean, put yourself in the position of the disciples just for a moment. Would you do that? I mean, think about it. So, you know, they, they, they walk with Jesus for three years. They seem, you know, uh, brutally tortured, crucified. You know, they get scared. They're hiding. Then the grave's empty. And then Jesus appears to them, you know. And so I, I think for any one of us, that would take us off guard a little bit. Would, do you think you would have a, I mean, be honest. I mean, it's easy for us looking at, you know, from 64,000 feet to say, oh, the disciples, they, you know, they were just without faith. I mean, really? Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if we were to put ourselves in their shoes, I think we'd feel a lot of the same way. And so, but Jesus, and, and so he's finally, you know, back with them and then he ascends. I mean, in that moment in the ascension, I mean, do you, do you think any, any of their hearts sank a little bit? I mean, you think they were like, oh, no, what now? But Jesus had told them in John 14 and John 16, it's better for you that I go. I mean, the way you can, one way you can look at this is this way, is that if Jesus was still here, and you wanted to talk with Jesus, right? Because Jesus was 100% human, 100% God, crucified. But if you wanted to approach or see Jesus, you'd have to jump on the tour bus. Are you following me? You'd have to go, I mean, you had to find out, you'd have to go online and look at the tour dates and say, okay, where can I go see Jesus? But see, there's a plan put in action by the Father. The Son is the sins, and Jesus says, when I go, there's another one coming. Amen. There's another one coming, verse 16, or 16, verse 7. It is your vintage I go away. Why? Because with the Holy Spirit here, that's how we experience the omnipresence of God. The all of him everywhere. Are, is this okay for you? You're kind of quiet this morning. For if I do not go away, the helper, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. And so Jesus, keeping his word, has sent us the Holy Spirit. Now, when it talks about the helper, there's a specific Greek word there, and it's paraclete. And we could use parakletos or paraclete. Some of you are familiar with this. But it simply means one who comes along a side. One who comes along a side. But remember what I said. There's all of these names that represent the character, the attributes of God. There's all of these things that represent, you know, how the actions of, of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the same way. How is that? Because of that simple word, parakletos. And it has seven words that define that word. I mean, some of, if you're bilingual in the house, you know that English is boring, right? And so, and so, and, and when we look at Greek, so many times in Greek, there's all kinds of words that are encapsulated in one simple word. And one of, and one of those words is 
paracletos. So what does paracletos mean? It means comforter. Matter of fact, if you look at those scriptures in John 14 or John 16, your my, the ESV says helper. Yours may say one of these words I'm about to talk about. Some say comforter. Some say, and, and they're all right. Are you following me? They're all correct. They're all correct translations. Comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and I really like this one, standby. I mean, you, you know, I mean, when you just got standby on help. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, you know, so, so you're facing temptation and you're thinking you're doing, you have to do it by yourself. You forget that you got to stand by. <laughs> I mean, some of you are struggling of walking it straight and, and living out your Christian life and you forget you've got to stand by trying to help you and empower you to do it. And it's the same thing in prayer. And so when we look at John chapter 16, verse 7, we could really look at it this way. We could, I, you know, we, I, I'm not trying to add to or take away from Scripture. I know not to do that. But listen, when you look at that word paraclete, you could, you could have a blank right there. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I go away, the standby will not come to you. If I don't go away, the intercessor will not come to you. Is that not powerful? I mean, and he is here just that. I think helper is a tremendous interpretation of that word because that represents all of those, all of those. So think about this for a moment then why not invite him in in a partnership with your prayer life? Romans 8.26, one we've looked at a couple of times. 8.26, you're familiar. Likewise, the Spirit helps. He helps. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go because if I don't go, I can't send the helper. And so the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. He helps us in our discouragement. He helps us in our battles. He helps us when we don't know what to pray for as we ought. When we have been so overwhelmed and, and beat up and struggle, or we've been praying the same prayer for the last 10 or 20 years, the Holy Spirit is here to help. He's here to help. But it's the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep in, for words that we may not understand. And so the Holy Spirit, when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, that standby, that help, that partnership with the Holy Spirit will come up and rise up within your spirit and pray for you. And I want you to, I, I'm, I'm going to teach this a little bit more. Is that okay? I, I'm not, I don't teach that much, but I'm going I'm to teach this a little bit more. So when, when you think about this, so there is a very um, specific way to see this, that he helps, that he helps. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 40, there's a scenario where there's Mary and Martha. And it, the scripture tells us, but Martha was distracted with much serving. You know, in a church, you tend to have Mary's and you have 
Marthas. You have the to-do list people and you have the can't stop talking and need to turn off the lights themselves people. Which, which one? I don't know if you know which one I am. I know you know which one Angela is. I cannot tell you. I mean, I have been to national, this is no exact, I have been to national conventions with 20,000 people. And my wife and her family, the, the staff of the Coliseum actually come up to them and say, can you leave so we can turn the lights out? I mean, that, everywhere we go, anyway. Was distracted with much serving and she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. Matter of fact, the only two places in the entire New Testament you see paraclete is in John's writings in chapters 14 and 16 and Luke when he's talking about Mary and Martha. Process that for a second. And so in essence, Mary, uh, Martha is saying the same thing. Tell her to help me. And what the literal meaning of what this is talking about is if you can picture two people picking up a log and carrying it. The Holy Spirit, when you allow him to partner with you in prayer. Have you ever wondered how Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, all who are heavy laden, heavy laden and burdened, come to me, and what does the scripture say? You'll find rest. Take my yoke upon you, for they're easy and they're light. Because we, it's a whole lot easier for Jesus to help you carry things than for you to carry them by yourself. We can paraphrase it like this. Tell her to help me by taking hold of her end of the task. The Holy Spirit knows the right words to pray. In our weakness, when we're at lost, when all seems lost, when we don't have the strength, when we don't know what to do next, when we feel all alone, when we feel beat up and bruised and broken, when we feel defeated, when we feel struck down. Come on, somebody. I mean, if we would just allow the Holy Spirit, if we would walk in partnership and allow him to help us. And it probably could be even better said, let the battle belong to the Lord. For we do not know to pray for as we ought. There's some verses I want to share with you really quick. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. It says this. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength from his spirit. Ephesians, just a few verses down. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly than what we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What is that power? That power is the presence and working and anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible says this. My, I, have, I know you guys probably think that Philippians 2.13 is my favorite verse. For it is he that works in us to will and act according to his good purpose. I think that it is a light verse that many of us need to grab onto. But my favorite passage in scripture is, a fee, is a 1 Corinthians 2.9 and 10. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, nor is the heart imagined, or some translations say no mind conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. And I want you to process that just for a moment. Think about the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen, the most angelic thing that you've ever heard, the biggest dreams you've ever dreamt, does not compare to what God has already prepared for you. And I think it's important to note that prepared is past tense. He has it ready for you. But, verse 10, but what? But God reveals it to us through his spirit. If you want to discover all of this, this empowerment, this, this, this uh, things that's more than what you could ever pray for, dream, ask, or think, or that you've seen, heard, or imagined, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you there and to direct you there. Do you think that would change your prayer life? These things God has revealed to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I tell you what, I want that standby with me. The, the, the one person in the entire universe that has access to the depths of God. And then you read John 16, that it's his job to take from what's the Father and to make it known to us. John 16, 13 through 15. And he makes it known to us, I want him on my side. I want him on my side. I want a partnership with him. I want a helper in him. But what happens? Well, my time has expired, but I'm going to keep going. The, the, the reason why we have a difficult time tapping into this and understanding this and living life out way with this is one, I'm going to tell you what not to do. And it's all, it's all based in scripture. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And it says something very, very, this is not coming from Pastor Todd. This is not coming from Southwestern Assemblies of God University. This is not coming from Fuller Theological Institute. This is coming from Scripture. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. I didn't say it. I just read it. <laughs> Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. So don't do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you read it in context, if you want to go up and read the, the, the few verses above Ephesians 4.30, you'll see the whole passage in context. And it's a very powerful, powerful passage to read there. And it'll line out some specific things, but the reality is this. When you willfully sin 
or go against what God has for you, it grieves him. It grieves him. And if you want the help of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you cannot grieve him. I, again, I, I believe I'm just preaching scripture. And now I think there is a difference. Are any of us perfect? No, none of us are perfect. Do all of us get it right all the time? No, not all of us get it right all the time. Do all of us mess up? Yes, we all mess up. But there is a difference when I am doing all that I can to walk in the spirit and to fulfill what God has for me and deliberately going against what he wants for me. The second thing is this. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not stifle or quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means this. Listen, when there's something you learn as you walk with the Lord. And as you walk with the Lord... And, and you're in scripture and, it, you know, you're, you're, you're breathing. I mean, you're taking in that bread of life and God's word and, and you want to do what's right and, and God's work on the inside of you. I'm going to matter. I cannot think of any person I've ever had a conversation with that God didn't deal with their hearts about things. Now, what God deals with me and my heart may not be all what God deals with you in your heart. I'll, I'll go so, so far to say this. Now, I, I think scripture is absolutely clear on what sin is. Clear. But as you mature in the Lord, I don't think that there are many things that are sin. But if the Lord contends with me on that, are you following me? So let me say it this way. And I, I, it's a simple before, when I first came to faith, you know, I was just almost 21 years old and I had a lot of worldly activities that I took a part in. A lot of secular things. Some of them were horrible. Some of them were benign. But I love music. I love music. And from my generation, you can probably guess what kind of, some of the kind of music I listened to. I mean, I was, you may not know that, I mean, maybe I shouldn't admit this. But my favorite band growing up in, in junior high and high school was Motley Crue. I didn't need the woe. Favorite band. And when I came to the Lord, I remember the Lord speaking in my heart and said, I want you to give up secular music. And see, there I have a choice. Are you following me? I can have a choice to stifle him or obey him. There's many conversations I've had with people. Oh, the Lord has contended with me that I need to stop drinking. Well, then stop going to the bar. Right? Don't stifle how he's trying to lead you. 
Because how, how many times have you heard me say this? You cannot go beyond your last point of disobedience. And this is where the scripture comes to life. If God has spoken something to you, you're not going to get past that point until you obey. Until you obey. And so don't ignore the Holy Spirit. And I, th- there is a, uh, I, I'm going to take the time to do this. So there is a, a, uh, we, we, we see something uh, uh, open up in the Old Testament that explains about this hindering. And so you remember Abraham sent a servant to go get a wife for his son Isaac. You can read about it in Genesis 24. And so when, when the servant finds Isaac's wife, Rachel's family wanted, matter of fact, scripture says, hey, I know you want to leave, but would you at least stay here 10 days? Would you stay here 10 days? Some theologians, I mean, they say it was like they wanted him to stay a year. I don't know. But we see it in scripture, it says, stay at least 10 days. And so the servant responds this way in Genesis chapter 24, verse 56. He said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. See, that's the old, I mean, this is the exact thing that we're talking about because when you look at the Hebrew of the do not delay me, you know what he's saying? Do not stifle me. Don't quench me. Don't put out this fire of the mission that I'm on. My master sent me on a mission to find a wife for his son, I, his son Isaac, and I found her. So don't delay me. Don't keep me from doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's exactly what we've got to stand up and do when the Holy Spirit's working in us and he's stirring in you and he's maturing you when he contends with your heart, following wherever it leads you. And that's what gets us, so what do you do? What do you do? You do this. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Let the Holy Spirit lead. You know, back in the day, I was known to scoot a boot. I know that's hard to see in picture. I know it. But I I had a few dancing partners back in the day that I was trying to lead, and they were trying to lead. Does that ever work? No, it doesn't work. Why? There can only be one lead. And when we look at this, every time I read Galatians 5.25, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation, since we are living by the Spirit, right? That's what we want to do. We want to live by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. A more literal translation says it this way, like the ESV, he says, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. And so how do we allow the helper? How do we allow the... See, the thing is, is if you want help, you've got to let him help. If you want him to counsel, you've got to let him counsel. If you want him to pray, you've got to let him pray. If you want him to advocate, you've got to let him advocate. You've got to surrender and give the lead over to him. And if you will do that in your prayer life, Romans 8.26 will come to life for you like you've never had to come to life for you before. I want to ask you to stand this morning if you would.
Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.